0: Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Killing. Me.
1: I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And thank you guys for listening. Welcome to week two of self-isolation and social distancing. Social distancing.
0: What does that mean to everybody? It seems to be like meaning so many different things to everybody.
1: That's a good question.
0: Is it six feet apart? Is it staying in your house? Is it not... Shelter and stay?
1: Yeah. Is it not like breathing on people?
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's fucking weird. It's also very ironic. I'm finding it very strange that, like, I was very much looking forward to, like, staying at home (laughs) and chilling. And now that I'm, like, forced to do that, I'm, like, feeling like I don't want to do
1: that. Right. (laughs) Especially after you had submitted your thesis. Right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And now I'm just, like, chilling at home and, you know, watching Netflix and doing at-home workouts. Shout out to all those people that are doing at-home workouts, but also shout out to those people that, like, you know... Are sleeping. Are sleeping. Resting. I appreciate people are doing, like, creating more content, but I also think it's important to mention that, like, as an artist, don't feel the pressure or the stress to create content because everybody else is doing it or because you have time now. Yeah. If you're feeling stressed and anxious, you can also stay home and watch Netflix Mm -hmm. and talk to your cat and go crazy and clean out your closet and
1: lay on the floor and cry these are all options yeah do whatever makes you feel good in the moment Mm -hmm. because a we have no idea how long we're gonna be here right so that's like a scary thing to think about um yeah i just like feel like i'm sitting in limbo which feels weird because every day we're getting like different news and different updates and different recommendations and different like things that we are supposed to do my cat's being such a fucking weirdo (laughs) yeah Um, so i'm like on one hand i feel like we're waiting for the news to be like just kidding it's fine it's over and then on the other hand i'm waiting for the shoe to drop and it to be like more serious
0: yeah i don't know it's a very strange time um it's a strange time for all of us it does look like the government seems to be releasing some some plans to help out with oh yeah people that are contract workers and
1: don't qualify for
0: ei yeah and that's I mean, like, well, on them for getting those put together so quickly and um, understanding and you know acknowledging that there are these types of people in our country who are going to have a really hard time paying their rent and aren't eligible for these services that the government can op- offer them. They so, usually
1: offer them. Yeah. yeah
0: so I think it, you know, good. It is good that they have offered these services, but what else can we do? Right. I don't know. And are they, and like how backdated are these services going to
1: be? Like some people need this money fucking now. I think that's, that's the biggest issue is that this happened in the middle of the month mm-hmm. and people were expecting to like, I was expecting three more paychecks to roll in before the end of the month. And now those things have not happened. Yeah. And I have to pull that money out of my savings, which I am thankful that it's there and that I have it. Mm-hmm, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, of yeah. course. Like if you would ask me this, this time last year, I probably would not have had that money. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Also, if you have the option not to apply for a loan and like you are able to get these services from EI and from the government, I would suggest looking into all of your possibilities per, for applying for extra loans. Oh yeah. Don't get a loan. Yeah. The
1: government right now is like dropped interest rates in support of small businesses needing loans. Yeah. But I actually don't think that's like, the best thing is just to, like, give people money to stimulate, to, like, help them bridge the gap, not just, like, offer loans that in the long run they're going to have to fucking pay back.
0: Exactly. Yeah, don't, and
1: don't get a line of credit.
0: Don't get a line of credit. <laughs> I mean, if you absolutely have to, I, I understand that that's very, like, elitist. And uh, I don't even know if it's elitist, but it's, like don't tell what to fucking do you two. And I I get that if that's the (laughs) option that you want to do and that's your decision. But I think that like, there are a lot of other options that you should look into that may fit your needs just as well as, as those options.
1: It would be really stressful to come out of this, which I'm sure a lot of what will happen to a lot of people is that your credit cards will be maxed. Mm -hmm. All of your savings. Or your credit card was already maxed. Yeah. Yeah. Your savings are going to be gone and you're, yeah, I don't know. going to owe your landlord two months of rent. Yeah. Which is, like, really fucking stressful.
0: Yeah, it is really stressful. Yeah. So, everybody I know, we're all tired of, like, listening to this content and hearing this, you know, quarantine
1: Bullshit. corona
0: content because nobody fucking knows what's happening. And, listen, we're recording this on Thursday. And it's going to come out on Tuesday. That's... By the time this is released, <laughs> you know, we could have a
1: completely different... Situation. Situation. Yeah. Um, that being said, if you saw on our social media, our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter we have decided to throw together a online viewing party of dance films.
0: Yes. This is something that, you know, we're really excited about. We understand that a lot of artists are currently quarantined right now and social distancing themselves. And, you know, we were trying to think of, um, you know, Things that we could do if if people were feeling stir crazy. I mean, this is week two. Maybe by this point, you know, you've cleaned out every fucking drawer in your house. <laughs> Maybe you watch enough Netflix that you're like, you need a break. I mean, my bones got achy after like, the first day. <laughs> um, So what we're doing is we are asking for submissions yep. from all types of artists to create at home films. Yeah. So these are films that. We will not be accepting um, films that were made prior to this. Right. Um, We will not be accepting films that happen outside in public spaces. We're not encouraging that. We are asking people to submit films that are shot solely in and around their houses. Yeah. It can be just you. It can be you and a friend. It can be a dance film. It can be some sort of just like
1: staged, I don't know, movement film. It can be... um, it can be set to music. It can be in silence. It can be one take. You can edit a bunch of stuff together, like literally whatever you want to do between one and two minutes in length. Yes. Send them to us. We'll like, there's a Google form set up that you can easily submit. Um, and then we will literally put them all together, send everybody a link, host an online viewing party where we can all watch together. We're going to do all the back end work. You just send us your thing.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I mean, Don't feel like you have to go out and rent a camera. Don't feel like you have to go out and rent a computer. You can literally do this on your phone. Yeah. If you have a camera, that's great. If you have a computer that has Final Cut and Premiere and iMovie, that's great. But you could literally edit this on your phone. You could literally improv for two minutes and send it to us. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, send us your content and like hopefully it distracts you from what this is that is happening, <laughs> it gives you something to do. I mean like the hours literally roll through when I edit stuff on final cut. So like all of a sudden I've been doing it for six hours cause I'm a crazy person. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's like a really good idea to pass time. Mm-hmm. And you can also
1: make a bunch and then send us your favorite.
0: Yes. And if, you know, we should say like the inspiration behind this was last year at our, um, Uh, party we had a film fest and actually two submissions were made pretty secluded from their own um houses apartments or like hotel rooms yeah i'm gonna shout out kendra epics was one that was i think there's some parts that are outside on that one but um she made an awesome film that was like inside an apartment and also kylie thompson made one that i think is like from her was from her hotel room
1: right um while she was like adjudicating or teaching somewhere yeah
0: so like shout out to those artists for like you know being inspirations but um you know there's so much possibility to do like you can do something laying on your couch you can work with an open space you can do something up and down the stairs I mean, I'm really intrigued to see how people use, like, everyday spaces to create material. That's, like, mm-hmm. why immersive work and site-specific work is super interesting to me, and I that's why that was my thesis. So I'm just really interested to see how people use, like, architecture and shape to create something.
1: Yeah. That's yes. it. It's mm-hmm. going to be easy.
0: Uh, we'll link it uh, in this episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the deadline for those films is Friday, March 27th. Yeah. At 9 p.m. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we will organize like an online, um, viewing party so that we can like one run it through either like zoom or we can run it through some other sorts of platform, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But you know, um, let us know, send us all of your stuff. We're super excited to watch all of them. And yeah, we have a really awesome guest this week. We do.
1: AC Mensa. She is an amazing person. Yeah. We had some really interesting and I think important conversations. Also like conversations she's having all the fucking time because they're important to her. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was very articulate and amazing to talk to. Super wonderful. If
0: you don't already follow her on
1: Instagram, I suggest following her like
0: a super big mover and person making, you know, big strides in this community. So yeah, here we go.
2: My name is Ac Mensa. I am a choreographer, dancer, teacher, movement director, and many more things.
1: So I saw shades when it was presented at, um, it was really, um, illuminating Mm. is what I'm going to call it. Mm. And like beautiful and exciting to watch. Um, and then I listened to your Ted talk about how you combined, like you created your own Afrofusion. And I want to know when that started coming about in your career. Mm -hmm. Like when, how old were you? What was happening when you were like, I can't do that. Do that. Like you weren't getting cast. Like what was happening?
2: Uh, So this was, um, I went to China in 2012. Okay. Uh, Funny enough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're talking about all this coronavirus stuff. Uh, But I was in China in 2012 um, for four months. I lived there for, on a dance contract. Before that, I, that was the, Lull time, the downtime of not really getting a lot of work. I had been doing Afro-infused movement, so I was doing Afro jazz, Afro house mm-hmm. uh, for a number of years prior to that. And then uh, when I got when I, right before I left, uh, before I got the contract, or right when I got the contract, uh, Louis Cheyenne, she had messaged me. She has a company in the city. And she was just like, I know that you did you do traditional Ghanaian dance. Would you want to dance in my company? And I was like, sure. But I'm actually leaving for four months. So (laughs) I got back in January. We can reconvene then. Literally, as soon as she saw me online in January, she was like, Can you come to rehearsal next week? I said, Sure. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm not working, so why the heck not? And it kind like learning styles from Mali and Guinea, which are very different from learning styles from Ghana growing Mm -hmm. up it just like it was it's the I always say it's like the typical African moves that everybody knows the arm swings and the the opening of the arms uh that's where it that's those are the countries that I feel it's like where it kind of stems from in terms of the commercial quote unquote African movements that everybody loves to do and I just started to kind of be reinvigorated in a way that I actually hadn't been in my whole commercial career I was learning movement and dancing from a spiritual place and listening to live drum and having the drum inform my movement. It just was, I've never danced like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really just put up a lot of light bulbs in my head. So at that time, I just was trying to figure out, okay, so what do I, what do I do? Because I still love to choreograph. Um, but I would never choreograph anything traditional, not say never, but I wouldn't choreograph strictly traditional movement. Right. And by strictly traditional, you mean like basically like what Lua does, cause Lua has a traditional African dance company. Okay. So for me, I was like, okay, I'm not going to just, I'm in an African dance company, West African dance company. I'm not going to just start creating my own work based off of the information, like regurgitating information. And I, I just always felt like I had a very open sense of movement and i always loved the commercial stuff that i did so my Afrofusion was actually combining the commercial work the movement that i was doing in commercial work mm-hmm. with the Afrofusion movement so how can i kind of mix the urban contemporary movements with the afro movement at that time with the traditional movement at that time so i ended up going through i would say it was a good two years of like of Uh, experimentation, if you will, through teaching. So I ended up teaching... I ended up getting a gig teaching at City Dance Corps. And and I ended up doing a video probably around the same time I started teaching with my company, Black Stars... One of my company, Black Stars Collective. And it was just a matter of, like, how do I get... How do I showcase my African identity in this commercial dance scene? Because there's... The Black identity, especially in Toronto is very much so highlighting the Jamaican mm-hmm. aspect of, of Black people. Um, and it doesn't really promote the diversity of, of 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 who we are. So, you know, even growing up in Hamilton, I would just, everybody would just have Jamaican mannerisms. And that's the way that you would talk. You would speak Mpatois, um, You would talk and interact with people within those forms. And my African identity was constantly kind of just closeted. Mm. And I was sick of it. So I was like, there's so many people. There's people that had worked with and had danced under Luther Brown for a number of years um, and are still tied to his company. And they're African and nobody knows. So they're specifically Ghanaian and nobody, nobody seems to kind of clue in the fact that they actually are not Jamaican. So I was just like, I kind of wanted to just pop up my chest and be like, OK, well, these are the Africans in the city. So let me just kind of pull them together. So I... I I got a, a few different artists that were kind of experimenting with Afro, um, I guess, Afro movement uh, in its infancy stages. At that time, it was called Azonto. And just kind of pulled everybody together and said, okay, let's just come together and dance. Um, and I created a piece that was early YouTube stages, so it actually went viral. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. And everyone's like, we want a tutorial. When's the next video coming out? And I was like, I don't know. I don't even know what I just did. Like, I just was expressing myself and my creativity. And what I had fear of, it was like, if I kind of just feed into the cow of, or the, you know, the the platform that everybody just wants me to just start producing content without any real depth to it, I was just like, I'm. it's not going to go anywhere.
1: So I... It's not gonna go anywhere. In what sense? Like for yourself? Um, for my,
2: I was. I'm. I'm an Aries, so I'm very
1: stubborn. Um, <laughs>
2: so for me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I just was. I was like, I. I was afraid that I would get to a point where I would feel like my well of information would run out, mm. and. And it's funny because when I think back to it, I was like, I don't really know why I really had that catalyst in me to say, like, I really need to figure out who I am and with this movement. But I'm so grateful that I did that because I've, I've for me, I've forged my own identity within the Afro umbrella scene. Um, but I just was a stickler in terms of like, I want to know who I am. So mm-hmm. when I move, everything feels authentic. That was really like the underlying thing. So I spent I ended up getting a job at City Dance Corps and then I ended up spending probably a go. I was there for about four and a half years, but my first two years was me trying to like put movement together because my thing was was like creating it as a fusion, which was different from when I called it Afro Jazz or Afro Hip or Afro House was that calling it Afro House. I could only do it under that umbrella. Calling it Afrofusion gave me the freedom to be able to pull from whatever the heck I wanted to and do different forms of of Afro-inspired dances fused with all of the other information that I knew and all the other knowledge that I knew within dance. So if I wanted to do a sexy number, you know, an Afro... Um, like heels number, okay, this is what it's going to look like. If I wanted to do more of an Afro contemporary number, I could do that. If I wanted to do an Afro hip hop number, I could do that all within the same umbrella of calling it Afrofusion. So mm-hmm. I felt like I, I just gave myself a lot more freedom to be able to play with a, with many different things that I was learning at that time and have learned and being able to kind of add a, add an Afro, strong Afro influence to kind of support it. So I, my students, bless them, were very patient with me and it basically took me two years to get to the point where I was just like, okay, this is my identity mm-hmm. or this is what I feel what my identity is. Right. This is your like movement. Yes. This, this is, this is, yeah. is, this is, this is AC Mensa because yes. at that time, you know, the Afro music industry and movement industry was starting to really, uh, explode at right. the beginnings of the explosion. So now everybody is starting to experiment with it, but everybody's experimenting to me in the same way. And it's hard to kind of decide, oh, this is who I am and this is what my movement quality is because everybody looks the same.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: that was something, and until and this day, I, I will still yell at people because I'm just like, how do you find your own identity when everybody's dipping from the same pot? I don't really know. Yeah. So I was just a stickler at making sure that I understood who I was and that when people knew when I choreographed or when I moved and my form of afrofusion would therefore be different from cuz anybody can say there's people in Europe that can say they do afrofusion people in New York people all over US Caribbean everybody does a different sense of what afrofusion is but what makes me different from everyone else and it's just because I've actually spent time in terms of understanding my movement quality, how it is that I move, how it is that I want to choreograph and how I want the transition between movement to feel seamless. Right. Cause there's a similarity of movement between all styles of dance. So, you know, the same triple step, you could see in a traditional African step, you could see in tap, you could see in jazz, you could see in samba. And so knowing, and so that way, so as I started to get deeper into my practice and started teaching and then started teaching teachers, I realized the link of movement that actually weaves through. And I'm more inspired about that, about the the commonality of movement between styles, which then gives me the chance to be able to say, my intention can be different, which changes this particular step into this, into this style of dance or into that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to like steal your own words from you, Perfect. I've been listening to you a lot. (laughs) Do you find that that's where the line is between appropriation and appreciation (laughs) for, like, cultural and and, historical works, but cultural works? I would say yes.
2: uh, On one aspect of it. Um, On another aspect of it, it goes into the intention factor of it. Um, But that... Because I think even for a lot of teachers, they may not... If they don't study or have studied in other styles of dances they're not going to know the the thread that connects mm-hmm. everything. Right. And because when I started doing traditional and then we were, we were working through movement, I just remember being in rehearsal, I was like, this is the house step. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> being like, I do something like, wait, they do this in hip hop. Wait, wait, hold on. Okay, I understand they always say Africa is the source of everything. But I was like, <laughs> when you actually like, are like, oh, but it is. Like These dances have been known for centuries, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and have been done for centuries. So, how is it that these dances that have been here for so long? How did how did the movement that was happening in Africa? How did we get to New York and create house movement and 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 rhythms? Because house is probably the like the closest urban style
0: that is linked towards anything traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super important. Just to like know your historical roots in anything that you're practicing. Yeah. Because knowing your historical roots allows you to like understand and reference Mm -hmm. people that have like come before you. Yeah. And that way you're not just like, I reinvented the wheel. (laughs) I am everything. Yeah. You're, you know, it's more like you're standing on top of the shoulders of all these like scholars, historians, you know, artists who have come before you who you are taking from and you're like stealing like an artist and it's not stealing it's just like being appreciative of those people and referencing those people in your work yeah in ways that are known so it's not just acting like you are the creation of all things
2: (laughs) and i think that that to me is like my biggest (laughs) pet peeve when Mm -hmm. it comes to dance is that everybody thinks that they what they've what they've invented is new Mm -hmm. and it's not you know, it's just like, I'm like, movement isn't new, which is why it's so hard to quote unquote copyright it. You can't really copyright movement. Right. I've had this conversation so many times with people. I'm like, can you copyright dance? I'm like, no, <laughs> no. I'm like, I can copyright the sequencing, like my choreography sequencing and what I did for this particular show, or this particular number. Mm-hmm that is owned by me. Mm-hmm. But if you were to just like, okay, we're just going to say that this movement is created by me. And mm-hmm. that to me is the issue when it comes to appropriation is that people are like, well, I'm inspired by this movement. So how can you really be mad if I'm taking it? And I'm just like, no, but that is an issue because you don't understand that that movement is linked to something.
0: Right. You mm-hmm. just think
2: that like, you just, well, you know, I saw it and I liked it, so I'm going to do
1: it. Yeah. And you're what like, is, like, what has inspired me? You saw inspired. one person do it one time. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. 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 you're like, I like it. I'm, I feel compelled to then put my
2: own stuff together and to put it on stage. Mm. And, and that to me, it's like, especially when it's like, okay, if it lives in your head, if it lives with a, f- a few friends, but when you present a piece on it, when you then are putting yourself out to make it seem like you were a choreographer in this. Like or an expert. A, or an expert. If you present
0: something, you are yeah. saying that you are an expert in yeah. that. Yeah. Right. In that idea. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because stuff like, you
2: know, Choreographer's Ball uh, in the City or Fever After Dark, you know, as well. I'll say Choreographer's Ball because they've been around for so long. Um, but it's, you know, ur- mainly an urban dance showcase, you might get a couple contemporary people but it's mainly a hip-hop based mm-hmm. showcase so um you know when it first started it was it was like you had to quote unquote be the best of the best to be in it mm-hmm. you know it was just like you could when you're when you're sharing the likes of the people that help bring hip-hop movement into the city like Luther Brown or you know Jay blaze and blaze entertainment and all of these other pockets of people that I've really founded the hip hop industry in in Canada, really, that started in Toronto. When you're sharing the likes, when you're sharing the stage with those type of people, you you have to be at a certain stature within yourself or you have to be doing something so unique that they realize that like only you could do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's changed over the years because the industry has changed. And now that it's in the hands of, you know, very many people, the care. I'm always I'm always a person about care. It's like the care and intention and the rite of passage is no longer there, uh, especially the rite of passage, because now and, and I've said this on another podcast. I was like, now everybody could do it. So they didn't actually know what it felt like to have to earn your way to be on that stage.
1: When it started, was it like invite only or was you apply? You have
2: to apply. This is for Fever After Dark? I think, but uh,
1: Uh, no, for choreographer's Ball. Choreo choreo Ball. Ball. Okay, sorry. But I know, I think Fever still
2: has the same, like I think you still have to apply for Fever. But for choreographer's Ball, they invited certain people because they knew that they, the quality of their work. And then you had to submit.
1: And then based on your submission, you would be selected. Right. It's like all submission based now, Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And they they might invite people like if I messaged them and be like, hey, I want to do a piece, they would be like, cool, because they now know the quality of of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. But for a number of years, like I'd still had to submit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember the first time I did it, which was probably now 10 years ago, maybe um, I did an African dance piece. And it was just because I knew. And at that time, I wasn't really. Like, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an African dancer. I had done it growing up, but I was more hip-hop than anything else. But I was like, if I dare submit with hip-hop, I'm going to get, like, crucified. So (laughs) let's do something that nobody really knows. (laughs) Right. Let's do some Afro and then throw that on stage. Um, And then I did it. And then at the same time, it kind of falls on deaf ears. You know, people see it and they're like, okay, and... I'm not even thinking of it, but it was kind of, it was just a matter of like women supporting each other, taking ourselves out of captivity. Um, that was the kind of the whole premise and then celebrating our freedom. Um, because I had had the ladies with uh, like red, to more, more to represent our captivity, red um, fabric and handkerchiefs, they ended up turning into handkerchiefs that were wrapped around our, our wrist. And that we we were like chained together, we held them between our legs. People thought it was about women and their periods. Mm. And I was like, cause and I was like, so if this wasn't Afro movement, would you still have the same thought? Probably not. Mm. So it's interesting how different cultural things can kind of get labeled onto you. Um, because it wasn't my intention. I just was like, really? Like I remember hearing that maybe months afterwards, and I was like, you guys really thought that? All because I had a red fabric, but it's just, like, one simple thing. Right.
1: Can People just... create narratives.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. then that was the narrative that they created. So, and then for, like, years, that was kind of, I was the Afro person. Well, I am the Afro person in the industry, and then everybody else has just kind of come up through me because mm-hmm. um, there was nothing before that.
0: Right. Yeah. not a, Not in the commercial dance scene, I would say. Kind of touching back to something you said really early on, why, just for my own curiosity, why is so much, why was, I guess, so much of the um, community influenced from Jamaican culture?
1: Because...
0: Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I know
2: that's going <laughs> no back worries, a couple worry, minutes No now, worries, like, I'm laughing like, more just because I'm like, well, because Jamaicans are bossy and they are, um, you know, very... I'm trying to figure out the right word to use. They're just, with the most love in my heart as I say this, they're just, like, proud. Mm-hmm. And their pride seeps everywhere, mm. you know? When most people meet you, they still, like, even me, people meeting me, they'll still probably assume that I'm Jamaican first. And that's usually the case with most black people, Um and it's, it's a thing. And, and I was talking to a student of mine a couple of days ago and she actually is of, of Jamaican descent, but it's just, if you don't, and then it gets into like black politics because then it's, you know, if you don't act in a certain way that people are used in our condition to seeing, then you're not considered black. So if I speak well and I, and and I'm eloquent, but if I don't talk ghetto, if I don't, you know, swing my neck in a certain way. If I don't give you black girl sass, then I'm not considered black in certain people's eyes. Mm. And I've had this conversation with many people and she was talking to me about somebody she had worked with as well. That kind of was like, you don't act black. And she was just like, excuse me, <laughs> like, you know, like all the sass and you know, all of that stuff. And she like a white person or like yeah. a person of color to her. No, it was a white person. Mm. And it was her boss. I was saying this to her and she was just like, if I acted like that, you wouldn't hire me and they wouldn't hire me. They would not have me back. Right. If I acted in that, quote unquote, stereotypical black woman way. And and then it it kind of then it goes back into this whole thing, because it's like I grew up in Hamilton. And my (laughs) I always say my first interaction with blackness was when I got into high school, because then that's when you're like, oh, this is how. Because it's like, it's different when you're with family, but then when you're with friends, like I was one of five black people in my school, one of them being my principal. Like when you are when you are used to being an extreme minority, you can't just assert yourself in a certain way. That's why, you know, for a lot of black people, there's this joke on code switching, how I'll act with, with other people of color versus how I'll act with my own people. When I'm with my own people, I can let my guard down and we can joke and chill and say certain things. But if I'm in a certain demographic of people, I'm not going to ascribe to those same stereotypes. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to ascribe to and do and make a choice of doing certain things because I'm afraid of how people are going to perceive me and then and then also perceive my race. So it's 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 you there's just it's like baggage that you just have to constantly hold on to. And a lot of times, like the stereotypical way of acting is within a Jamaican um, lens, you know? It's like you, when people think of food, you're thinking about Jamaican food. When you're thinking about music, you're thinking about dance hall, if not reggae music. There's not a lot of people that, when they're thinking about black music, black cultural music, that they're thinking about soca <laughs> or Afrobeats music, you know? It's just like, oh yeah, Bob Marley and Mr. Vegas. And, you know, it's just like you're, it's a certain ideology of what blackness is. And, and it's also just because Jamaican culture is a dominant black culture. You know, it has been able to, you know, go through the mainstream. It has gone to rural places. Everybody knows Bob Marley, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody knows Miriam Makeba. Not everybody knows Hugh Masekela, um, that were around during his time that are both African artists But everybody knows Bob Marley, you know. I saw a Marley poster for his coffee because he turns—he turned 75 this year. So it's just like, huh, you know? And like that's—that's how Jamaican culture becomes so dominant because everybody sees it. So if that's the only thing that I'm seeing, then that's that's my only interaction with it, and therefore I'm going to assume that everybody gets funneled through that exact same lens,
1: right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: It's interesting just because, I um, mean, me and Corinne went to, um, University of Calgary, mm-hmm. which has, um, Michelle Moss who's mm-hmm. from D J DJ. D. So, mm-hmm. and, so um, we took jazz, jazz with her all awesome. through. Yeah. So w- yeah. when you were speaking about it, I was just really confused because I growing up at University of Calgary and dancing with Michelle and also Sabrina Naz, mm-hmm. who North like Africa. is a dancer mm-hmm. at yeah. mm-hmm. DJD. It mm-hmm. was, it was like Soka, and it was yeah. it was that. Yeah. So that's why I was yeah. confused when you said that. I was like, oh, <laughs>
2: that wasn't mine. Yeah. I, but and then that's yeah. amazing yeah. because you had those two women right. that were to me. It was like they're showcasing their culture in totally. such a beautiful way, mm-hmm. yes. and they're letting you know that it's like this is who I am. This is my identity, mm-hmm. and this is this is what defines me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, especially in Toronto, that you're not going to get that same experience. Like,
0: well, it's dance not in like... the schools as much. Is that correct? Because no. I went to Ryerson for one year and I I, didn't, <laughs> I wasn't introduced to, I mean, no. those types of forms until I went to University of Calgary because yeah. of DJD. And I mean, I'm a master's candidate at York and I, I mean, I'm, I'm not in that undergraduate program, obviously, but I don't see a lot of that no. referencing happening for them as no. well. So it must it's, have something to do with the Toronto community in the dance scene.
2: Um, I think, on an academia level, I think f- things still feel like they still need to just fall within the Eurocentric form, and that's the only thing that can get taught. Because mm-hmm. I know there's certain people that I think that do the program at York, and they do African drumming. Okay. Um, and maybe some form of African dance. But to me, it's just like there are so many phenomenal artists in the city that you can actually hire, even right. to bring in as guest teachers on a consistent basis between York and between Ryerson. And I don't know why no one's putting their ear to the ground and making it – like I'm, a, I'm an alumni from George Brown College. I did right. their commercial dance program. And I've gone in and I've taught um, – not a lot but I've I've taught over the years and I'm actually they want me to come back to set a piece again on their okay. on on this new round of commercial dance students which I'm excited about because it's just like yeah that's nice for them to be able to get somebody that has come through their same program that has that has been successful in their career mm-hmm. to be able to kind of just you know speak truthfully with them and then set a piece that is not in a form that they actually study in school you know I I always say I'm like to get a well-rounded dancer, you should be doing traditional African and ballet. Like, so that way, because I'm like, you can cover everything with this, those two forms of dance. You get the groundedness, you get the musicality, you get the polyrhythms when it comes to traditional and the explosiveness with the traditional African. And then you get the structure that ballet gives you, um, which to me, it's like both forms are on the same level. Are they seen at the same level? Definitely not. No. You know? and even just like the i mean the whole idea behind ballet
0: just being this like superior form of oh
2: yeah <laughs> you know and and Mad how run. people just like they're like yes you know ballet 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 and i'm like great cool but maybe yeah. but like if you looked <laughs> at some other
1: let's like draw the roots back into like <laughs> yes yeah, like yes i speaking to before
2: and how many how many people in toronto have actually studied in like vernacular in vernacular jazz you know when, mm-hmm. like the, the amount, f-
1: you know, just we are talking, you know, little, you know? Yeah. and it's like, yeah. and
2: I'm so grateful that Natasha Powell is bringing it back. But then people are looking at her like, wait, what's that? It's mm. the roots of jazz. No, it's not. What are you talking about? What are you talking? How are you? This is like, did you realize that jazz is a, a black form of dance? People don't even realize that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're just kind of like. So who are your, again, who are your teachers? Right. How yes. are they educating you? Are you being educated properly? Yeah. You know, how do you not understand that this form of dance, the music and the form, how it started was, it came out of black culture. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, it, it kind of comes down to like an erasure, you know, when things get popular and then it's like hip hop, you know, it's like where hip hop started to where hip hop is now. It's like, at some point in time, somebody's like, this is going to make me a lot of money. Just give me a second. I'm just <laughs> going to take this. I know you're going to be upset, but trust me, you'll be happy in the end. Like, we're just going to take this and just bring it over here. And then we're going to do this to it. We're just going to explode it all over, all over the world. Ugh. Everybody's going to do it. And nobody's going to care about where, you know, its origins are. So like, especially now for me with, with, with Afrobeats, Afrofusion movement, um, you know within today's climate i'm scared of the exact same thing happening which right. it already is where people can just i'm just gonna take this movement and have no connection to it it's, it's crazy
1: <laughs> i was at a film screening yeah and there was this they called it um it was two white women doing the root of jazz on film and it was like fuzzy, like jazz oh. music and i was just like the root yeah, of yeah. <laughs> that's that's the that's bottom. like i was like I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah i was like um i feel like your research stopped and like really? didn't go any deeper yeah it's it was so... crazy to me i was like how did this film get funded please someone tell me why <laughs> this film got money
2: but then that's <laughs> the thing it's like i like all it takes is having good connections talking to the right people mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden also, you know my, talking my
0: people that don't sorry not to interrupt but Talking but yes, to people that don't want to exactly. like recognize exactly. that there's deeper connection exactly. to it exactly you know?
2: and that's the thing is just like i always wondered i'm like so by saying there's a deeper connection to this is that somehow a bad
1: thing Right. Like, or I'm, if you say that is that your past to like not do the actual research yeah but just being like this comes from way over here, but I'm still going to do what I I want to do with it without actually like Mm -hmm. bringing that in.
2: Yeah. It's like, I'm making a conscious choice to bastardize it and take your money just, you Mm -hmm. know, just so you know. And it's, and to me, it's just like, it keeps bringing up opportunity to have like more conversation, to have more discussion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because I was teaching for a really long time and then I was on a few contracts last year. So then I start, I stopped teaching and then I started shifting because it's like I work so much from an ancestral space as mm-hmm. well. Um, it's a huge root. as so the reason why I even have the voice that I have um, to speak out about certain things. And and then it just like my voice was kind of like, you need to just start 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 teaching differently. You need to start really getting into the educational aspect. You really need to start thinking about the education. So then I ended off last year and then... Uh, This year is the first year that I've actually been teaching more workshops because I'm not teaching like regularly anymore just because of contracts that I'm on. And I just now I'm just constantly telling my students in terms of, you know, if your teachers are not helping to educate you on the forms of dance that you are spending money in, maybe you need to change your teachers. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because I was like, if you're making this investment, I and and even for me, I'm like I have the responsibility to my students to then give you tangible information that you can then take to do in my in my head in any forms of dance. That's why I was never really sure why when I started this, no dancers in the industry ever came to my class. I can't say ever about a good one percent over my budding years of creating. That's I right. never had any professional dancers in my classes. I always had. Recreational people, people that have lived and and worked in in Africa, people that just kind of like the music or it's kind of similar to dance hall. So I'm going to just start popping into this class. Mm. Um, So people just started uh, coming in. But a lot of my students were non-dancers, were, you know, working professionals. um, And were just coming to this for a recreational thing, not necessarily a I'm Trying to better myself as a dancer, so I was always so curious because I just was like, "I'm, I can give you information that can really help you understand your body better. Why aren't you coming to classes?" And even until now, same thing. But a lot of times when I do teach, no, I don't get a lot of the dance community in my classes. I've gotten the people that have been with me for years; they come to my classes, mm-hmm. and I'm always so curious, and 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 it's more like semi i don't even say semi-professional but people that are not quite recreate or like a step above recreational like you can tell that they're actively making an investment in dance Mm -hmm. um but i i hardly ever get any any actual dancers in my classes
1: why do you do you have like thoughts about what that is
2: i've thought about it over the years but i it's it seems like I, i feel like a lot of people are either intimidated by the form some for some of it it's timing People that want to come to class, but um, timing doesn't work for them. It's not, it's not on their side. But then in other ways, um, I think it's whether or not they, they are intimidated, whether or not they feel like they're going to come into a space and feel like a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. You know, because then it's just like, especially when that person is black, because then you're like, I thought I could dance. And then you're giving me a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm looking at her and she's killing it. And (laughs) she don't look like me. Right. (laughs) So it's just like you're having to kind of shift and go through a lot. And I was like, I have people that invest in me and I invest in them on a regular. And, you know, it's just like it's always it's something that always makes me very curious. And that's Mm -hmm. something I've never really been able to put my my my. Finger on, but it's definitely remained throughout the years. Like I see right. other dance, like other teachers, and I'm just like, you are fighting to get into these classes, but I don't know whether or not that teacher is actually invested in your development. When they just
1: like <laughs> teach the video you a, a choreo yeah, and like right. so much, put them on their Instagram, it's like it's not like
2: there's not, nothing there. Yeah, there's not there's nothing there. I was even talking <laughs> to a friend yesterday. He's like, oh, I went to go take this this person's class and. And he was like, and then, you know, partway through the class, they're just like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, sit out and you guys could do the choreo. And I was just like, what?
1: Mm.
2: How is that even possible? How is it even? I'm like, wait, you're the teacher. Should you be like having the stamina and, you know, the ability to, to um, energize, energize the people and, around yeah. you? Yeah. And, and so it's just like, I'm like, oh, wow, the standards of dance in the city have definitely shifted it has definitely shifted and and i and i don't quite know i'm like i don't know what the solution is but i definitely feel like it's
1: made i don't know which way it's going you know yeah. i really don't know which way it's going what would you say to people that are intimidated to come to your workshops like
0: yeah.
1: i have even though like having taken class at like djd and like mm-hmm. trained with michelle moss mm-hmm. that's like very far behind me and sometimes personally i feel that i sh- shouldn't be in those kind of spaces.
2: Mm. Oh, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like as a
1: white person, you know, I'm like, that's, those are not that like that's for those people, but like,
2: yes, but that's the, you, you, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to take
1: up space that I don't need to.
2: So you're (laughs) going to go down a rabbit hole for you. Okay. (laughs) You're actually going to be probably more of the norm than you think. Okay. More, a lot of people, which then opens up another can of worms, but a lot of people that do take African forms of dance are typically not black people. Hmm. Um, and I think I was writing this yesterday, but uh, your your race as a Caucasian woman mm-hmm. would actually probably feel more in place than not. Okay.
1: Just and, like who shows up to class.
2: Yeah. Okay. So for me, and it's like this, this is who shows up to my classes. I was just in Hawaii training with one of my teachers last year. And I, as a black woman, I was the minority mm-hmm. and I was the only African woman at that workshop. Mind you, it's Hawaii. It's expensive. <laughs> so yeah. that also eliminates a lot of the people that can go. But I was one of four black women and mm. three of the other black women are, were African-American. I was the only African in the room. And within, and everybody else was either... Yeah, was some people were Hawaiian, but mainly everybody else that was white. Okay. And, you know, you might get a Brazilian or, you know, people from different cultures, but you're going to get a large population of people that um that are white that take african dance classes and the same thing goes when you go to the states a lot of times (coughs) excuse me um and that's for african dance classes that's for samba classes you know i don't know if there's something that kind of just looms over our communities as black people that feel like oh i know that Hmm. You know, I don't need to take a dance class to feel like to to do this. Oh, you're talking about people in
1: your community? Yes. Yes. So it's
2: like Black people coming to take an Afrobeat class, Black people coming to take an Afrofusion class, Black people coming to take a traditional African class. Mm -hmm. You know, the traditional African community in the city is a joke. It really is. There's, you know, like Lua has been doing amazing. And that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to educate people and educate people in a way so that way... People actually take an, an actual interest eventually, like that's this is my end goal. People take enough of an interest to want to go down the rabbit hole of traditional so we can start to build the traditional dance community here. If this was Montreal, the traditional dance community in Montreal is massive.
1: Yeah.
2: In Toronto, it is actually a joke. Like, and you know, the amount of people that Lewis had to go through that start, but then start to do something else, that start to then start to do something else. Like I was with her company for about five years before I left. And even then leaving was hard, but I was like, I'm now starting to spread my wings for myself and understand who I am. And I don't want to put your company in jeopardy because another (laughs) opportunity comes up. Right. So it's like, how do you, how do you build community? Like, and she has, she's had to go to France to grab dancers. She's had to go to Montreal to get dancers because there's very few people in the city that can do traditional West African at a high level. Because, yeah. like, the choreography that she did for her last show, I, I was sweating and I was in the audience. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was literally like, because I know, and it's the same teacher that I trained with when I went to Hawaii, Farah Tono He's a phenomenal, phenomenal choreographer, artist, drummer, everything. And it was, he choreographed the full show and it was absolutely beautiful. It was an hour and a half, hour and forty-five minutes of traditional West African, which is by no means, I think people underestimate it. Where people are just like, oh, it's really not like in and, and and then as like as an aside, which makes it difficult when critics are critiquing your work as a black artist. So I'll just throw that that little bit in there. Did you see what happened to Yolanda
1: she I mean, was like no white critics in yeah, my?
2: Yep, yeah, I I I've seen the caption. I know about it. I haven't read the articles because I know something went out in the Globe and Mail. Yeah, and Lua she and the actually star, I think. yes, yeah. and Lua tweeted it. And to think, and the thing is, is that I've had I haven't had any bad reviews, but I know a, a, quite a few like Lua has um, Jasmine Fife now Jazz Fairy J. Um, she has had bad reviews. And i I don't know if Kevin Ormsby has, but I'm like these reviews can actually make or break you mm-hmm. in terms of the eyes, just because and the thing is it's like well you're not educated in my form, so how dare you think that you know better than me, right, and you know who like and you know who I am, and then how dare you use such like you they she, she we we ranted it. And mm-hmm. using words like, oh, the pulsating bodies and the gyrating, why are you using this language to describe my form of dance? Because you but because realistically you actually just don't know. Right. right? And that's the thing that you don't want to admit that you don't know and that you're not qualified to actually properly critique my work and see past the movement and to see the actual underlying story and the work that actually went into developing this piece.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, so I'm happy that she called out and said. Only POC, only black and POC critics yep. can actually come and review my work because somebody needed to say it. Yep. And if you and if as a right critic you're upset, no, maybe you need to learn how to actually properly critique our work. And right. then maybe you can then get invited in. But then it's just it's the issue of like how many black or how many black or POC
0: critics are actually in the city. Right. Like well, what forced them to hire a bunch. That's what we just found out last week. Um From Aaron. From Aaron that it forced Globe and Mail. To hire somebody. To hire people.
2: And that's that's all it, like, that's literally all it took. That's all it took. Yeah. Was for somebody that had a big enough voice Mm -hmm. to sit there and say, I'm not going to deal with you guys with your, the language that you use and how you choose to label me and the work that I do. Find somebody that can do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I was grateful because I think out of the people that critiqued my work when I did Shades first in 2018 they were all white critics except for my girlfriend that now dances or that now writes for dance current.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Everybody mm-hmm. else is white. And especially when, and even like the issues that I had even describing shades to people like right. the PR team had such a hard time trying to sell the show. <laughs> and it's just like, and they're like, well, you know, people are just, and I was like, yeah, because people don't understand it because the people that you're interacting with are white. Right. And you're a white hmm. PR company. Like, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was like, I probably, and like, bless them. And I absolutely love them. And they did an awesome job. But I was like, hindsight, I was going based off of the fact that it's like, well, you've done all this phenomenal work. You've, you know, you've worked with all of these people. They're definitely going to help me get, you know, seats in, into the audience. But then I was like, no, if I had a PLC person that really understood the message from a personal standpoint.
1: Right. And not just. And could like translate Mm -hmm. that message into a language that is yes i don't want to say digestible but like understandable Mm -hmm. yeah you know
2: yeah it makes a huge difference because Mm -hmm. you know and it's not to say that uh white people can't but there's a barrier there yeah you know there's just there's just there's a barrier in terms of understanding where i know that i can speak to somebody that has experienced shadism. and so it's like yeah it's like actually they're like nope i know i don't even have to I don't have to go into depths about my own personal story Mm -hmm. and go through all of that. And you're hearing it for the first time and you're trying to understand it and then doing research and realizing how big of an issue this is on a global scale. But it's still it's still different when it hits home, when it hits home and you can understand it. Then all of a sudden you don't you can fill in all of the blanks in terms of how to be able to properly sell and speak on the show. Mm -hmm. You know that's why when I did the, when I did the Fall for Dance North presentation last year, I told them I just they're like okay yeah you know you can probably you know bring in a couple friends and I was like no I need to open this up to the community like I forced <laughs> forced them to and they were like Ilter was always like no it's fine and then the the production manager at the time was just like um I don't <laughs> think so and I was like no Ilter said I could <laughs> and I want to because I'm like I'm not gonna sit there and do a show called Shades for a bunch of white people that are presenters from out of town. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring the community in to watch this show so they can see the type of people that are going to benefit from seeing this show. Right. Because if, cause I think that that's the other thing. And because Shades hasn't, you know, quote, unquote, like aside from Fall for Dance, hasn't officially been picked up. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people are... Uh, especially if you're a white presenter, I don't think they understand how necessary a conversation like this is for their communities. And if you're not of a community of color, then it's not you're not going to be able to see the foresight of being like, oh, this is really going to spark conversation. Right. This is going to be a great opportunity for everybody to come together, to be able to speak on this issue, to be able to voice their opinions, to be able to share X, whatever it is. They're gonna they're gonna be given the opportunity to go down this road of what this show is and what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then move from and then being able to kind of like benefit from the discourse that people are having and to me, like that's what art is, mm-hmm. or that's what art should be. Yep. That you get a chance to talk um, from the experiences that are built. Um, was there an audience talk back after Shade's? <sighs> Not that one. I was so mad. I was really. We. I spoke briefly, mm-hmm. um, but like for me, it's like I actually kind of like mandated into mm-hmm. like when I when people want to pick up the show that I was like, you. I need to have a talkback. Totally. I have to like because it's such a it's a triggering show for quite a few people. Um, it's very emotional. It is. Yeah. It's extremely emotional. It's emotional for us that are in it. Emotional for the people that watch it and. It's necessary for me, the conversation, especially like after post-Ted Talk and everything that I'm doing now, it's like the conversation is as as important, if not sometimes more important than the work itself.
1: Hmm.
2: Because then it gives people a chance to be able to like sit in a space and talk. And we don't do that. And I don't think enough people actually give enough time to that. And it's, it's you know, I was actually meeting with my girlfriend yesterday who's in the show And I said that I was like, if I, you know, whenever Shades actually really gets presented again, I would want to do like a full, like if we did a full weekend run, I would want to do like a Sunday night conversation talk. And it's like three hours long Mm -hmm. that anybody that had seen the show can come in and let's like, let's actually just sit and have a dialogue Mm -hmm. about the show because then, and it gives like the dancers a chance to really speak about their experiences and obviously for me as a creator but then also to hear the audience because the audience will see stuff like when the first one we did in 2018 people were like I feel like I can come in and follow each character like I can come and watch the show seven times and actually just follow one character's whole trajectory from beginning to end Mm -hmm. I said yeah you could and you probably get something different and you'll notice something different every time and you'll really see the choices that people make because it's so like it's shifting the alliances in the show shift so much. And I'm grateful just to the team of people that helped me build it. And part of the team is the dancers and them just trusting me in terms of how it is that the show came about and what we needed to do to help bring it into
1: realization. Mm -hmm. It took a lot it took a lot. <laughs> yeah. Took a lot. <laughs> uh, when was it from the beginning or the scene with the powder and like, is that something that's been in there forever? No. So that
2: was actually never a part of the work. Okay. I, I had a partnership briefly with AGO. Okay. Um, because I had done some work with them and I was like, I want to do something. And she was like, great. You know, this is our budget because I was like, I want to do, I'm working on this new So Shades. I would love to be able to present it. And then obviously you look at the budget and you're like, okay, it's like enough for just me. Fantastic. So then
1: just, <laughs> every I, contract ever, ever in this city, then, <laughs> you're
2: like, got it, got it. got to make lemonade,
1: <laughs> a, a seed.
2: Fantastic. So, um, so I was being able to, I was kind of toying with the whole idea of like choosing to bleach and letting that be skin bleaching,
1: yeah? yeah. Yeah. So
2: I was like, and and kind of just like that whole idea of just, you know, being becoming new. So I had done it twice um in the same night. The first time it was interesting. I I the first time I had done it, I actually had my friend paint it on me. And then my girlfriend was like, You need to do it on yourself. And I was like, Ugh. It's like, OK. And then obviously the idea of having to put it on yourself and seeing my skin transform brings up a lot. So then that kind of that solo kind of like loomed. And then I did it for the Kajas for one of their events. I can't remember what the name is. Um, and that was the last time I did it. Mm. So within creation of creating the piece, so within, you know, the creation time that we had, I remember we were doing, it was like post the line, you know, the one lady, she picked the light skin side. I get mad at the two men. Right. They left. And this was just, we were just going through an exploration. Okay. was just like, let's just discover and seeing what everybody's choices were. So I got upset. I got angry and one guy left and then the other guy left. And then we finished and I was like, whoa, that was really heavy. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, okay. And somebody, I think somebody was just like, okay, yeah. So where do we go from here? I'm like, I'm going to bleach my skin. And they were like, <laughs> excuse me? And I was like, yeah, that, that yeah. That fits. It just, it just needs to happen. And they were like, are, are you actually serious? And I was like, yeah. And saying it, not allowing it to kind of like actually like hit home yet. So then, and then the reality of that choice as mm-hmm. a creator being like, yeah. And I was like, why am I, g-? I gave myself the hardest track in the show um, on top of having to also create the show. Do you always dance in your own work? Um, <laughs> that's that. Let me finish. Ooh, this sorry. And then I'll talk about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so then I, yeah, I made the choice. And then the reality of having to sit through the reality of that and um, feeling all of the feels. Of 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 going down that road of yeah. and it just the ugliness and then and then find discovering that and then going back from the beginning and then getting to that ending oh it broke me that's why Shades is never a show that I can I can't over rehearse it we can mm-hmm. be in rehearsal mm-hmm. doing exercises different things to kind of just like create greater relationships but that's not a show that I can spend. A week rehearsing the full show run, like running it. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. yeah. No, no. 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 I. I'm like. Mm. Does it break you a little
1: bit? Oh yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Like broken. <laughs> we did it at Rosedale in February, and we had to do it twice, and I didn't. We had to condense the show, so I just got to the point where I bleached, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like it's 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 highly triggering. It's highly emotional. I literally feel like I'm cutting myself open and I'm just completely opening myself up. So I feel raw a lot of times. And that was the first time that I was like, oh, okay. I still, you know, I can still stand. This is good. And it's just like I cultivate a place of like love. So that way it allows me to kind of just feel. And I've had to tell like the my 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 dancers that I was like, you guys have to actually hold me up. (laughs) Because I know that I look strong and I know that I look like I'm always good and that I can, you know, I can steer this ship. But then at the same time, there's gonna, there comes a time that I actually don't want to physically steer this ship, that I actually just want to let go and I want to fall into the water.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: I just got to make sure that you all can be there to grab me so that way I'm not a complete mess. Because mm-hmm. there is like when we did it in 2018, I was a wreck. Like... I I I think by the time we finished the show run, I had like it took me a month to recuperate just from doing that show. Yeah. It
1: was really and people are like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> does that like speak I want to ask this question then mm-hmm. go back to the bleaching mm-hmm. for a second? Um, does that speak to like that the work is still like so needed? Yeah. Like Yeah. Because you're so, so emotional about it. Yeah. And it's just like, it's,
2: it lets me know that it's like, it it, it will forever remain present. Yeah. In me and in the group, because like the nature of this topic forces us to stay present because you're not just like going through the motions. No, this is not a show. And, and I, I had to kind of call bullshit on the cast last year right before we did fall for dance no. <laughs> like i till this day and i was like i'm so grateful that you guys didn't just say like um excuse me i'm done because we finished our last rehearsal on tuesday and then we i had another rehearsal and then we were going to tech on the wednesday so tuesday night after after we finished the show run i wasn't happy with the show And I'm walking with my stage manager and he's just like, because I, I, I was, I was, this is a very interesting time for me. I was doing two productions and writing the TED Talk all at the same time. So before I had done Shades, I had also done another show, Zio, that I presented in Ottawa. So, um, and Zio was just me, my stage manager. Which is like, I guess, like my spiritual director, you could say. And then the <laughs> cast. So we were like, we had like an energy, a nucleus that was forming. And that same energy nucleus wasn't there when I was doing shades because I had to do a cash change. I had to change the stories. So, right. Because Selena came in, right? Yeah. Yes. So Selena came in and then it was like, now I have two sands. What the hell does that mean? Okay, we got to... So then now I'm having to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And... One of the big things, which I I don't always give myself credit for, it's like I have to own the fact that I'm more capable than I think I am and that I was probably able to kind of pull shades. Now, at this point in time, I'm able to kind of pull it and understand what the story is on my own, still with help, but I can kind of still gauge and and understand and direct it in the way that I needed to. Mm -hmm. So... When we were all together, um, in terms of just building the show, it was just like a lot of stuff was coming up. And I was kind of just sitting there and being like, okay, so I don't like this. My stage manager was very honest, and he was just like, there's the heart, he was like, there's missing. Everybody's just going through the motions. This is not what Mm -hmm. shades looks like. So now I'm like, okay, well... (laughs) And I go home. What do you do a
0: week before? Yeah.
2: Not <laughs> the day before you're getting ready to go into tech. So now I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay. It's like, actually, I think it's it's my book is in my bag. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so let's, let's watch the piece. Let's just watch what, like the rehearsal video. Let's watch what's happening. So I'm watching the rehearsal video. And I am now going through like a full download, like ancestral download. I wrote... I was like, I'm now like I messaged him and he was like, How are you doing? I'm like, I'm on page six of notes. He was like, Page six. Oh, Jesus. And then he was like and then it was like as a I'm dancer, that's six. my nightmare. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, I'm on page eight. I had sixteen pages of notes. Oh God. And thriving then, literally. so much information <laughs> and, literally, and i was just like because then i was looking at the moments and this and how things are this oh, is linked right. and how that's going together and why this isn't mm-hmm. happening and are do you know each other so then i just was like and and then and he was like asa you can't come with um <laughs> with 16 pages of notes i'm <laughs> ready <Anybody laughs> to do that? and i was like i know Okay, well, I'm just going to send a voice note to everybody. <laughs> so I sent, and I was like, I know this sounds crazy, but just hear me out, okay? So I sent each person their own notes mm. to listen to. And I was like, you guys can take it. I just, just listen to it and almost... I think no, not almost. Everybody was like, Yep, makes complete sense. I'm one hundred percent with you. Mm. I was wondering about that moment myself, and then it was just like, Well, I'm happy that you said this and this, that, That's and the good. third. And I just was like, Oh my gosh. I asked everybody to come in an hour early. They did. And then I I got to the studio early. I had post-it notes <laughs> on the wall. I was crazy. <laughs> posting notes on the wall and I sat we sat in a nice little round a round circle and I was just like so this is what it is I'm like guys and I just was honest and I was like there's there's an energy that allows the show to be what it is and that's an energy that I can't ignore and right now that energy isn't there it really just feels like we're just going through the motions and it's not the level of where emotionally Present, I need everybody to be in the show. So I'm just like, so then I was like, okay, so this moment, like for instance, I was like, the moment where Selena is now starting to attack Shaquille, which is the last person that enters, I was like, do you know each other? you know because i also work in theater so as a movement director my dramaturgical brain is just like relationships relationships. exactly yeah you know how do how do we how did you know and what did you think and just asking questions i literally was like i it's pages of notes and 75 percent of it was just questions just to pose just to kind of get everybody's brain to be like hmm And she was like, yeah, I never thought about that. I was like, yeah, maybe you didn't know him. And that's the reason why you acted in that way, because you knew maybe he shunned you out of the last community that you were in because of who you were. And now you're like, fuck that shit. I'm coming in and I'm, you know, gonna go full force with you right now Mm -hmm. because I know, I know what you're capable of. Right. But then as she was like, and then he came back and retaliated, you know, and what that was and how he ended up dividing the group for the first time in the whole entire show, like 45, 50 minutes into the show in by race and like what that was or by shade. I'm
0: so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. sorry.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You know, dividing everybody by shade and like, what is that and what does that look like? And so we just literally went top to bottom in the show. And then uh, we left for tech. I had to leave early. They got there. We continue to talk once we got there. And it just was like questions, 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 questions. And for me, it was just so those, those questions just kind of stay floating in our brains so that way when we get into the work, we can just now think about those things when we're doing the show, Right. It was. That's really all it was, because you're examining those relationships as they're happening. Exactly. But you need to like
1: be aware of them. exactly,
2: yeah. And it's just like let's just keep these things. And and even our tech was a gong show for <laughs> some other reasons, you know. <laughs> places, venues in the city are very interesting. Yeah. Um, and then literally the show happened, and it was successful. And I literally was like, it was gone. <laughs> so I was like. The way from where we were Tuesday by the time we got to Thursday. And I was like, I I have no idea how we even, like, we didn't just leap. We, like, soared over the mountain. Mm. And I was so grateful for everybody because I was like, you guys were present. And it was real. And you were, like, it just, and to me, that's one of the hardest things as dancers, I find, is for people to be that present on stage. Because you're not asked to. You're asked to do these steps. (laughs) And Mm. that's it. You're not really asked to, like, bring yourself your human self into the work and shades is a show that really requires people to bring their human self Mm -hmm. and that's why it's like you can't you can't hide by emotions you actually have to kind of like stand in the emotions of what it is so if it's hurting you we want to see it if it's if it's making you laugh we want to see it if it's making you angry we want to see it Mm -hmm. and being comfortable with each and every side of you showing up when it does and dealing and it's just like it's a constant thing of just dealing with the repercussions of our actions like that's really it's like what shades boils down to it's just like it's a series I call it, it's a series of choices and reactions
0: mm-hmm. how do you um evaluate work when you're inside of it in the most difficult way ever, <laughs> but I, it's
2: intuitive my intuition kind of guides me mm-hmm. um and this kind of now couples into the other question about being dancing in and yeah, work. Dancing and yeah. my work. I was never in Zio When I first created the show, I wasn't in it. And then, um, and the person that I had as my lead, and I was, this is when I was doing it for summer work. So this is 2018, right before I'm getting ready to do shades, um, Right before I, we were in like now, I think week two, week almost week three. No, I think it was week three of rehearsals. Um, And the person that I had as my lead, it was, he was, he was doing great dance wise. And then I was like, okay, so I'm going to need you to feel like you're being birthed out of this like nucleus. And then you're going to move, and do all of this stuff. And he's just like, literally like static. He's just not moving. And I was like, Okay. Okay, so then, and I'm trying to give him other prompts and things like that and I just was like, <sighs> okay, see. So then, I realized very quickly that he was not, he didn't have the emotional capacity to fill in the blanks of the show. Because mm-hmm. like, movement-wise, it was like, it's a very movement-based show. So I was like, movement-wise, he can do all the movements, all of the in-between. Because that, that Zio is, is a story about my own life mm-hmm. and what it is that I've gone through and the people that have come into my life to help guide me. Um, but it was really, it's just like a piece that I also created out because I was in the hospital for two weeks in 2017, partially related to shades, but some other stuff. But, uh, I had, uh, this was kind of like my piece to create coming out of all of the turmoil that I'd gone through and just the people that have just literally constantly come into my life and be like, "You, this is what you need to do. This is where you need to go." X, Y, Z. So I was kind of doing it as an appreciation to them, and I really wanted to create an Afrofuturistic work, um, and and it was about one person in search of their destiny. So, and that one person goes through a series of tests. So, um, he. So I we I did the first test. The first test was very physical. The second test the dancers change and they become more like demons. So they're like, it's like they're walking dead. So they're kind of like shadows, demons that are kind of looming and consume me. And then I break out of it. Uh, But it starts with, it's supposed to start with me being given this directive. And then the dancers show up. I react afterwards and then the last piece is and and then the piece finishes. So as we're getting into the point where we're filling in the blanks, I literally was like, and I was with my girlfriend that helped me, Ocosia, that helped me co-direct Shades. And I just was like, we're kind of, I'm looking at her and I was like, he can't do this. She's like, no. Mm. She's like, unless he, unless you fill in all of the blanks. With choreography. With choreography, then maybe he could do it. And I was like, no, I can't. Like, just <laughs> was like, so then I have the biggest meltdown because then I realized that I have to create, I have to perform in the show.
1: And you have to fire him.
2: Well, I, it's what I, see, this is the interesting thing. I didn't actually end up having to fire him. Okay. One of my dancers ended up having a severe back injury. So he only did the first show. So mm. he ended up doing the last two shows.
1: Oh. Mm.
2: So he ended up just kind of changing roles.
1: Right. Okay.
2: Um, so it ended up working out in the end. But yeah, it was, it was tumultuous and I was upset. I was like, the only time I've been upset at God, I was so upset at God. And I was just like, you know, my stress levels, I'm trying to not be sick. I'm going to go back into the hospital just because this piece is giving me the most amount of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I just was like, I, and, but the thing that I was the most fear of is like, Having to complete the cycle of what I had been through in 2017, I didn't want to have to revisit that. Right. And that was what my biggest
1: fear was. You wanted to give it to someone else. Exactly.
2: And people were like, and even my mentors were just like, so you're trying to get somebody else to tell your own story. I was like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like every choreographer. I, yeah, oh like just, just, just say, I don't want to actually have to do it on my own. And, and the Spirit was like, sure. You're going to dance it, which I'm so grateful that I did because then it opened up a lot and I was just bawling throughout that whole entire process, but it was real. And then, um, and I was never in shades originally. Okay. Mm. So when I did shades in 2016, I wasn't in it. I just choreographed it. And then when we were doing the 2017 version, I had to put myself into it because of budget reasons. Right. Right. Because I couldn't pay myself if I, if I had put somebody else into the work. So then now I'm in the work. And then and, and I realize, <laughs> which not a lot of people can do, but I am the sacrificial lamb with the work that I do. <laughs> so I'm the one that has to go through the fire first to allow everybody else that works with me to, to say that it's okay to go through that fire
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and to guide them through that fire. Because, you know, Shades was that. And and I realized very soon why I had to be in the work because I wouldn't have been able to create the same show if I was because mm-hmm. it's it's different when you're when you're sitting back and being like okay I need you to just you know this is what I need you to mm-hmm. do and they're just like okay <laughs> and you
0: just it does not work
1: like, yeah they're like, yeah. you know, like like this yes yeah like, yes. you know like you're
2: like <laughs> like no I just need you to kind of like you know all of the and you're just like sure <laughs> so but having to do it. On my own furs, yeah, and like giving myself, which ended up being the hardest track in the show, um, kind of just lets everybody know that it's like, okay, we can do this. We can actually go down this road in it together, and we're in it together. Totally, you know, it's just like you know, literally, and nobody is is off floating on a on a floaty on their own in the mm-hmm. water and drowning. Like everybody is literally locked and being like, okay. Let's go, and I'm the first person to walk through, and I'm literally just like, "Yep, let's just keep moving, let's just keep pulling each other, and let's just keep continuously holding each other up because it's it's a lot." Like Zio, when I revisited Zio last year, because when we did it in Ottawa for Prismatic Festival, because I had already done the show, now I was like, "Okay, what is it going to be different for me?" Now I'm in a different space, emotionally, physically, spiritually. How is it going to be revisiting the show? So I caught, like I had, I recasted certain people. So now the show and the people in it are different. Uh, Some of them are different. Some of them are the same. So they've even learned the choreography in the first week. Now I'm getting into the dramaturgical stuff in terms of relationships and things like that. And I don't know what told me to say this, but I looked at them because they are the ones that are applying all of this pressure onto me. I'm the one going through the test. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, So then I sat there and I told them and I was like, okay, so when you see me, see yourself. So look at like, look at your own reflection in me. Mm -hmm. So you're now the problem that's there. And you're looking at yourself as both you and the problem and the pressure that is being that every, all the pressure that you guys put on me is that you guys know I came out out of it because I'm standing in front of you right Mm -hmm. now. So, you know, I was able to make it through what it is that I went through. So, and, oh, man, oh, man, asking that or saying that to the dancers, it just changed everything. It changed the whole entire work. And then all of a sudden it was just like, so what do you want this person? What do you want yourself? What do you want me? Uh That's really you. Like, what do you want? What do you want from them? I want them to prove themselves. I want them You know, people were just saying different things. And I was like, okay, well, then that's what you're fighting for now.
1: Right. That's what
2: you're, that's, that's what it is. That's what you're fighting for. That's what you're, you know, so every time you're putting the pressure on, you know, that I'm going to give you equal pressure back because I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you break me. Right. You do break me, but I'm not, I'm going to fight to the bitter end to prevent that from happening. And even when you do break me, I'm still going to stand up. Right. So it was. Ooh, there was a lot of sage in that room. In those rehearsals, <laughs> literally, it's yeah. just like every day we're like, let's <laughs> just burn this to kind of just like keep it on deck and keep it going for everybody. And it was, it got ugly. Oh man, those rehearsals got ugly because then people things started coming up for people, right? And then then it was, and then they're bringing out. their
1: emotions into exactly. it, and it's like exactly you can't compartmentalize, and no, nope. it was
2: just like okay, and then now managing the stuff that's coming up for them and trying to be there for them throughout that and then... While dancing. While dancing <laughs> <laughs> in the show. So yeah. that's why it's like my stage manager also was like my spiritual director advisor because right. it was his Samson Brown. He, like God bless him, literally I would not have been able to create that show specifically if he wasn't there because... It's a lot of energy to have yeah. to kind of like, whoo, OK, we're holding space. OK, we're holding space and woo, everybody's child. safe. Yeah. yeah. And like releasing stuff and being like, oh, yep, Kate, okay. there's like it's just and so it was a really interesting experience um, from the creator side and then having to dance in it like my brain. My brain doesn't shut off because of it, so I'm like in the work and being like, I don't know about this moment, and being like, I don't know about you making that choice. I'm just gonna keep dancing right now, but I'm gonna look at you and be like, I don't know about that. So it's like,
0: <laughs> I'm like side eye the whole time. Yeah, I'm mean, being like, what are you
2: doing? Like literally, I, I, I did that in the middle of the show because one guy and I was like, whoa, your energy is like, you are off. So I'm like literally like energetically i wasn't dancing at that time but i was like i gotta pull i gotta steer you back into yourself (laughs) because right now you're flying off the wonkers and you're messing up my choreography and i'm not happy right now so i'm gonna need you to like yeah get back over here so yeah the clip the clip that was in uh my ted talk
1: of them dancing that
2: style yeah yeah Um,
1: i have one question before we have to wrap um have you ever bleached your skin no. Okay. No, definitely not. Only for stage purposes. <laughs> right.
2: Right. Um, but definitely not. I've never thought about it. Okay. Actually
1: lies. <laughs> Cause it, I did unknowingly. You talk about how like present it is in the community. Yeah. And there's lots of like, I know this from, um, a few Asian friends. There's like, mm-hmm. they're not called bleaching things. They're mm-hmm. called other things, things. Yeah. And they have bleaching agents in it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, which is like so twisted because Asian culture, they're like, you actually can't even buy a face wash in many parts of Asia without it having bleaching agent in it. Like that's yeah. how, that's how like, and it's like, and you're getting like big name companies, all the companies that you can go into shoppers or Rexall and buy each one of them have a bleaching line in yeah. another part of the world. Ugh. Each one of them it's gross. is very gross. And I, this is being completely transparent. I actually, so funny story, because we were doing a documentary with shades. And there was a period of time where, okay, we're like, yep, we're doing the documentary. And uh, my director had asked me, she's like, have you ever bleached? And I was like, no. And then I was like, wait a minute. Yes. So my mom gave us this cream. My mom worked for ages. Like, she's, she's a cook, but she also sold Avon products. So my mom... Uh, there was a bleaching line that was through Avon,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and my mom gave us the cream when we were growing up. And Knowing that it had? I, when, we, when I talked to her about it, yeah. yeah, she knew. And I had to ask her, and I was like, why did you give that to us? And she was just like, I just wanted to help because we were getting teased, and we were going through a lot of issues. And I was teased a lot in high school because my, I had an uneven skin, So I had patches. It was like some were darker, some were lighter. Here was dark, you know, my neck was dark. And I just literally, so people in high school called me cheetah. And uh, I don't think, and it broke me, it seemed. And I guess my mom was just trying to provide us with a solution. Right. And it's not to say, being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and as an immigrant mother who, for herself, grew up in a predominantly black society, so. People were bleaching at that time, but were bleaching for different reasons. Right. Versus being in North America, being around people. And it was the people that were calling me cheetah were other black people. They weren't white people. Um, And just, it it was, it's like, how do you offer solutions when your children are going through an extreme moment of hurt? Yeah. And as a mother, as an immigrant mother, this was her solution, not thinking of like, it's not like she wanted to change. It's not like it changed my skin tone. It just made me a couple shades lighter right. Right, in my face. And I think, and it was just like trying to even out the parts of where I was darker when really what I needed was the sun. I The minute that I actually went to Ghana, I remember I went somewhere, even when I was in China, there was, there was we were, when we, where we were, we were in the south of China and I came back dark.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I remember... And I think the first time I went to Ghana, like it just was like certain things that actually changed my skin tone. And I was like, because even till now, I can still have an uneven skin tone. But the minute I actually just immerse myself in the sun, I literally become completely even. And now I know this. Right. But at that time, I didn't know that. Totally. To be like, oh, put yourself in the sun (laughs) and that's going to help. That's what your skin
1: wants. That's Mm -hmm. what your
2: skin wants. Yeah. Um, But... It, so, yeah, I did, I did bleach at one point in time, unknowingly. Yeah. And, uh, and a kind of coming to that as an adult, you know, cause I was talking to my, one of my sisters because my mom gave it to the both of us and, uh, my mom, we, my sister was like, yeah, she did this. Like, how could she do this to us? And I was like, mm, I'm not going to think that surface level. I'm just going to talk to my mom and ask her what happened. Yeah. And she was just like, I just was trying to help. Right. And it just like tears. Like I just like I cried, yeah. and I just was like, man, you know. And just thinking about like, what do you, what do you do when your children are being bullied, extremely, and you're just trying to offer your kid a solution?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Is being an artist fucking killing you? All right, <laughs> that was like such an awkward transition. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate myself. <laughs> It's so good. Um,
2: Yes and no. Yes, in ways because of the weight that we have to carry. And for me, especially with the work that I do and the conversations that I'm bringing forward, uh, for the past two days, it fucking killed me um, because I was drained. Uh, When you're bringing up uh, conversations that people don't necessarily want to speak about. and then navigating those conversations and holding space for people as they're, like, realizing it for the first time that they've been perpetuating something, that they've uh, chosen certain people that are choosing to perpetuate certain things. And just all of that kerfuffle that come along with it, um, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to actually post on Instagram for a little bit of time. I'm going to take a break. And then this morning, after some really good sage and a really good meditation, I was just like, you know what? F it. You know what? This is, it's killing me, but I'm still speaking my truth. So uh, it definitely is, but it's not breaking me.
1: Hmm. Great. Yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, that lady. Was this is awesome. Yay. I love this conversation. Yeah. Thank you. This is great. This is great. This is like the best part of the week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> definitely. Amazing. If people want to see you or find yes. more of your work, where can they go? You go to my website. Perfect. Uh, www.
2: esimensahacmensa. dot um, and my Instagram at acmensa. You can follow me Instagram, Twitter, um, acmensa the artist on Facebook. Perfect. Ooh,
0: yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Thanks, out, Rainy. Yeah. Thank you, guys, so much for listening. Um, if you have any questions or anything that you thought about today's episode, please email us, DM us, uh, shout us out on Twitter. Um, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, anything that you can leave a review on. We need your feedback, and we love it. <laughs> um, and please go follow us. And thank you, AC. Thank you.